making his debut on the line change. Joining us on the Dr. Glatt Regrow Your Hairline, Dr. Paul Glatt, Philadelphia's leading hair restoration doctor. Visit drglatt.com. It is Tony Jigsaw Cotillo at T Cotillo. 23, uh, Tony, was, are you either, I, I'm hoping when I put you on, I don't hear you hanging up after I just compared you to the early 2000s cliche of the girl that gets looked past and, and then finally the jock realizes she pretty. Is that a good comparison? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I was, you know, I've had flashbacks of Saved by the Bell with like AC Slater and Kelly Capel. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I was, I was like, wow, what, what, what show am I on, man? And, and I'm older than you, so I'm like Mr. Belding compared to you. So, uh, you know, I don't know where you're going with that, but nah, it's all good, man. That's having me all buddy. Yeah, I, I'm actually thinking of a Hillary Duff movie, believe it or not. I think it's like Silver. <laughs> uh, this is a really bad start on your debut for me to be admitting this. Uh, but I think it was Cinderella's story, it was called, with Hillary Duff. And that's exactly oh, the wow. plot of the movie. And this, it's the movie I'm, I'm thinking of. So, that's yeah. okay. Remember, so I'm comparing you to Hillary Duff, basically. Well, that's okay. I have a 20-year-old daughter, so I know all about Hillary Duff and Hannah Montana. Oh, my gosh. You know all about good. High School Musical and all that, too? You know about all that stuff, right? Yes, I do. Oh, there you I've go. been through a lot of that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I have a younger sister, so I, I, I watched a lot of High School Musical. Because if I didn't, you know, I would definitely not watch that. Just kidding. I would. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, we need we're to. Not doing that on our own. No, no, no. Uh, but I want to start off with you right away, coming hot because we are at the half for the Sixers game, and the Dallas Mavericks—they're down 16 to the Sixers. And look, I would like to say Sixers are great. They're going to do great this game. First half was awesome. They're up 16, but I looked at the live line. I'm intrigued by Dallas at plus 14. Am I nuts, Oof. or should I be doing yeah. that based off of what the Sixers have been like in the second half? Well, that's what I was going to say. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking the prognosticators, what they did was they looked at the Toronto game and they thought about it. And they said, oh, we know if Danny Green is going to play more than 15 minutes in the second half that we're not even touching that 14. So, uh, because he's going to probably turn the ball over seven times. But, um, yeah, let's nah, not let Danny think... Green inbound the ball with 30 seconds please, left ever again. Never. Please, exactly. Like, everybody worry about Danny Green. Ship him. I'll Uber his butt anywhere you want. It doesn't matter to me. But, no, nah, I, don't, I don't think you're crazy. I think that, that this game, um, I, I can't see them winning by 14, to be honest with you. I think it'll, they'll tighten it up. Luka got hot with that last three-point shot at the end. And, you know, remember, they're learning how to play without KP right now. So, you know, Jalen Brunson tweaked his ankle a little bit. So, they had to kind of reinvent themselves in the first half, but I think they'll be okay going forward. Still think we'll pull out the win, but we're not going to win by four. Yeah, I think so too. The big question I would say in whether or not you think Dallas can come back and, and get within 14 is if Luka can get things going. Is this more of Luka's just having a bad night, or does Ben Simmons look like he's actually playing a big factor in, in Luka's night so far? Because I, I think it's a little bit of both, but I think the point is Ben's been doing very well, and if Dallas does want to get back in this. Luca has to get going, and I'm not sure if he can. Oh no, I'm glad you said that because Luca has been shut down by. I mean, it's funny. I was watching the game and I'm watching Ben's footwork and I'm watching him d up Luca, and I'm thinking, having flashbacks of guys like Gary Payton. You know, the reason why he got the glove, right? The glove reference because he always stole the ball, but he was a tremendous defender. And Ben just he doesn't give you. Any room to maneuver. It is unbelievable. If you would just watch the game film and just say, I'm not watching anybody except Ben Simmons play defense, it is, it's like poetry emotion. It really is. And I, I mean, that's, it, it's number two. It's probably tired legs from Luca. 
trying to do too much, but 75% of this is all about Ben. Yeah, it feels like Ben is a is the nightmare scenario matchup for Luca because Luca, as you said, likes that he he's great at finding good positioning on the court, and that always helps him. He's able to find anywhere on the floor that he wants to get a shot at. But Ben Simmons is great at not letting you do it, and yeah. the athleticism is better with Ben. Luca, I'm sure, is not used to having somebody like Ben Simmons size on him as well. It's a nightmare matchup for Luca, and I'm just not sure if he can get it going in this game. That obviously has a big part to do with whether or not that they can cover the 14 that was on the live line early bucket for the Dallas Mavericks here, 59-46. But this will be fun down the stretch. Now, Joel Embiid, past couple of games have been rocky. He started to play a little bit well against the Raptors when he started going to the line, getting a little bit more involved. But uh, what do you think of his play so far against Dallas? He look, To me, John, he just looks tired. He does. I mean, he's 5 for 13 in the first half, still has 16 points, but he just like looks like, to me, he's been laboring the last three games. And, and again, it's a long season. He plays a lot of minutes. I did like the fact that Doc played a lot of Dwight Howard in the first half. I think that's telling as well when you look at Joe Embiid. I mean, listen, he's definitely conditioned a lot better than last year. But I think, you know, the shortened offseason and the quick start to the NBA, I think it's kind of taken a toll on a big man a little bit. But He'll be back, and listen, if you can go 5 for 13 and be on half an effort and still give you 16 points in the first (laughs) half, I mean, I hate to see him when he's okay. It's crazy. I know, because it is true that Joel Embiid got off to a really slow start, and he's looked a little sluggish, and I hate to use that word because it sounds so derogative, but it's just, yeah, it looks like he's a little bit on tired legs, but he does have 18 points. (laughs) It's it's not like I could say anything too bad. Yeah, it's nuts. Um, uh, Well, the thing is, this guy, how much adversity he faced when, number one, we didn't know if he was going to be able to turn into this kind of player. Number two, the lengthy injury history he had when he came in the league. And number three, I mean, guy's only been playing basketball for like five. No, we might have lost Tony there. Uh, We'll see if we can get him back. But, uh, yes, I I think he's definitely right. I mean, yeah. it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. We're talking with Tony Jigsaw Cotillo at T. Cotillo 23. Uh, so the the big story, and the Mavericks are kind of coming back here. Exactly. See, this is exactly what I was talking about, Tony. But uh, the, the, the big story with the Sixers now is they seem to be in the trade market, and they've been rumored for a couple uh, to a couple names, and one of them was Kyle Lowry. Then all of a sudden it comes out today from Keith Pompey that, yeah, um, it's actually – might happen. Kyle Lowry, it does want to go. Yep. The Raptors do want to let go of him, and the Sixers are on his list. How much of an impact would Kyle Lowry make? Because I, I think my biggest problem at first was, like, is he still any good? You know, is he is he good enough at least? The Sixers need a little bit more shooting. Is he even shooting well? And everybody was making it sound like Kyle Lowry was having this awful year. And then you look up his numbers, and now he's actually been <laughs> playing. He's still really good. Why Why is the discourse around this guy so negative when I think he's still playing at a pretty elite level? Well, I think the, the biggest reason is he's not a flashy player. And he's never been a flashy player. He, listen, he, he's Philadelphia. He's a hard-nosed, gritty player. who He's is a villain of a point guard for sure. <laughs> oh, absolutely. He's more worried about dropping dimes than dropping buckets. That's what he does. But... You know, he's just dropped 24 in his first game back from a broken finger or, or a fracture finger, whatever he had on his index finger. But, listen, he's a true leader. And if you want to compete for an NBA championship, you need more leaders on this team. And if you're going to tell me I have to trade Tyrese Maxey and a couple, a couple picks 
and Mike Scott to get me a guy like Kyle Lowry who's won a championship, who's played in Philadelphia, knows how to handle the media, and another guy for a guy like Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid to look up to, I'm all in. And I kind of came up with this theory, I think last night or a couple nights ago. Uh, it feels like if Kyle Lowry would have come to the Sixers this season, he would fill that sort of Jimmy Butler role. Is that what you're kind of envisioning for him? Be that leader, take shots, and kind of take control late in games. And, of course, that would involve Joel Embiid as well. But feels like he can fit that Jimmy Butler role of a leader, tough guy, uh, always going to stick up for his teammates, and just a guy who knows how to win. Yeah, I mean, you make a good point because that's the one thing that we know that we miss. We miss that dog. We miss that alpha. We miss that leader, right? So, and I've always consistently said that Brooklyn still scares me. You say what you want, but they have three guys that can drop 40 or 50 at any time they want. We don't have that guy. Okay, we have Joel, and that's it. Ben's not going to drop 40. Tobias not going to drop 40. So you need to kind of beat them a little bit on the other end, and that is on a defensive end of the ball. And Kyle Lowry is a tremendous defender as well. So now you put Lowry, who can defend and score, with Ben, who's starting to finally show he can defend and score. It could be a, a, a much better upgrade to go against uh, up like teams like Brooklyn. Yeah, and you, you mentioned Brooklyn, and you're absolutely right. They are good. I didn't want to believe it because at first I was all in on, on Brooklyn, and then things yep. started going wrong, and I just kind of immediately went, yeah, it's not going to work with those three. It's just never going to work together. And look, I'm, I was completely flat-out wrong. But I also don't want to admit it because this is this finally seems like the Sixers team that's ready to win the East. And now for Brooklyn, all of a sudden, to have this super team, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving's one thing, but then you add James Harden, who's willing to play a facilitator role. I mean, that's that's nightmarish. And I didn't want to believe it could work, but they're up 65-57 on the Nets. And the Nets, as you just said, I mean, it's working, right? Yeah, so you, you make the, the, the tremendous point that I, I just talked about the other night on a heat ratio where we were like, listen, James Harden came into this as a guy who was dropping 35 to 40 a game. And he, the whole question was, can they work together? And he allowed himself to take a step back. I mean, I think one of the games he had 17 assists. It's a crazy. When would you think James Harden would, would be a facilitator like that? Exactly what you said. And as long as he's willing to take that role, because we know Kyrie Irving has a huge ego, then it's okay. It, it will work. And they're not done. John, they're going to buy out market. You're going to get a big man. You know they're going to trade for a big man, or they're going to, you know, or whether it be Cousins or you know maybe Andre Drummond. Uh, who knows? But they're only going to get better, and that's why I think we definitely need somebody like Kyle Lowry. Yeah, definitely do. We're talking with Tony Cantillo at T Cantillo twenty three on Twitter. Uh, Heat Ratio Sports again, as he just mentioned, is where you can check out all of Tony's stuff as well uh, at Heat Ratio Sports on Twitter. And now that we're into Brooklyn. Uh, is this just automatically you got to find one Brooklyn player to get in a DFS lineup? Just how is it setting up an NBA DFS lineup, first of all, this season? But it just seems like you have to include some kind of Nets player now because of the way they've been playing. They rely solely on those three players. No, you're, you're, you're completely correct. And, you know, KD was my guy before we went out. He was the guy I, I started every single night. The problem now is is it Harden or Kyrie? But I think it's it's obviously Harden who's the more consistent DFS scorer. But you get guys on that team like a guy like Joe Harris, who can just pop in at five thousand on DFS and, and, and give you thirty five on any given night because Brooklyn just shoots the lights out sometimes. 
And, you know, everybody's worried about Harden and Kyrie, and there's Joe Harris standing to the three-point line, dropping five for nine every game. So, I mean, that's the point of fantasy. You definitely have to have a guy from Brooklyn, and you also have to have somebody who's playing Brooklyn so they don't play any defense either, John. <laughs> no, they do not. And it seems that the over hits a lot for Brooklyn as well, and for good reason, because they don't play any defense at all, but... I mean, I've been always saying as well that Brooklyn needs to get uh, more inside depth, more post players, you know, more bigs, because yep. DeAndre Jordan isn't that guy. But what if they don't? Can this still work? It feels like even if they don't do a trade, and I don't think they're really pressing to do another one or to get another player like that, I mean, they seem really comfortable with playing this really fast-paced, high-scoring games. And, I mean, to be honest, they can outshoot everybody. No, they can they really can. You make a good point about it being a high-paced game because if you get a guy like a Boogie Cousins or uh, you know Andre Drummond and you already have, like you said, DeAndre Jordan, they're not guys that are going to run the floor back and forth. So you're actually looking for somebody who's more athletic. You know, they, they would love a guy like Clint Capella on their team. I mean, that would just that would be astronomical. But you know, I still think they can win because of what we just said. Because not many teams have three defensive stoppers. You may have two, you definitely have one, but if you don't have three, any one of those guys is a killer. You know, when you talk about the Splash Brothers with Clay and Steph, and, you know, when they added KD, that's what made them either that more lethal because you're like, okay, if we stop these two, we're good. Draymond's not going to hurt us, but now you have KD. So it's the same thing with Brooklyn, and that's what really scares me. Yeah, you think the Sixers have three good enough defenders for it? I think they, I think they right match now. up. No, you don't. Kyle no. Lowry might, might help that, right? Well, well, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you know, and again, you watch the game tonight. You have Matisse Thybulle, who still is undisciplined as a defender. not developed right. offensively. Too there are times right. he plays better, but still not developed enough. No, and and, and if you want to win a chip, you need somebody to develop more. You know, more than that, and and that's the problem. You definitely need. I think you need two pieces. I think you definitely need a Kyle Lowry, and you definitely need another bench guy because I still think that Seth Curry and Danny Green are both two guys that should not be playing starter minutes. No, Seth, I'm I'm on the the border about because that's a he's a fringe starter at least the way he's been playing, and he yeah. fits into the NBA uh, type mold now that three point shooting is everything. But Danny Green, absolutely not. You cannot keep yeah, giving that guy yeah. the minutes that you are. Uh, I I want to go to the West a little bit. And this team, I mainly want to talk about because I, I forget about them every single time. And now that I notice that, I'm starting to think: Are we looking past this team a little too much? And that's the Clippers. Like they're just quietly having a good yeah. season, 23 and 10. They still have all their good pieces from last year, but it's all Jazz and Lakers. I mean, should we? The Clippers are sort of in that conversation, but it seems like we're still looking past them, even if they are in, included in that. Yeah, you're right. And I think the reason why we're looking past them is because they had early injuries with Kawhi and Paul George. They never really had their top two dogs together at one time. But then everybody was so worried about Anthony Davis and LeBron James. But then when Anthony Davis got injured, it shows you how exposed that Lakers team really is. Uh, they'd, be, right, they'd be lucky to go 500 without Anthony Davis. So that's a big problem, which shows the Clippers are in a driver's seat. Uh, you know, because Kawhi, they have two two guys at Kawhi and Paul George that could drop 45 or 50, right? So they don't have that third guy, but they have a lot of nice other pieces. You know, Patrick Beverly does some really good things for them, not going to shoot the lights out. Obviously, you have Lou Williams, who is six-man of the year, right, who can either start. You have guys like Terrence Mann, 
who is a young kid who's starting to really shoot the ball nice. I mean, they do have some nice pieces out there. So you're right. I, I, my team, though, John, is I love Phoenix. I love Phoenix. I'm a huge Chris Paul guy. I, you know, I, I love the way that they're structured out there. I love how Chris Paul has just kind of turned that team completely around, made Devin Booker a better player. Uh, you know, they had guys like Cameron Payne who were just playing on another level, DeAndre Eaton. I mean, Monty Williams has done it, or yeah, Monty Williams has done a great job out there in Phoenix. They're, they're very enjoyable to watch as well. Yeah, they are. And you mentioned Monty Williams doing a great job, and I completely agree because at the beginning, it, it is kind of a weird dynamic with Chris Paul and Devin Booker on the court at the same time. Yeah. And it wasn't working nearly as well at first, but now it's all come together, and they're playing phenomenal as of late. So they're going to be one of those teams absolutely that will be in it. I, I do have to uh, sidetrack a little bit because I'm watching the Michigan-Iowa game. How is Phil Martelli an assistant coach at Michigan, which is not a bad gig, but that guy should be head coaching somewhere. He should be head coaching still in Philadelphia, right? I mean, it's it's no, unbelievable every time I see a Michigan game and I see Phil Martelli as an assistant head coach on the bench. It's just so odd to look at. Well, it is, because even, even if we're not even talking about him being a head coach at Michigan, it's like, you mean to tell me there's not another NCAA team out there that doesn't need a Phil Martelli? I mean, come on, man. This guy is legendary. hes I mean, we know it because we lived it in Philadelphia. We've had some tremendous coaches like John Chaney and Speedy Morris. And, the, the you know, it goes on and on and on and on. But Phil Martelli's right up there at the top. And he's got a tremendous background, tons of credibility. And ran a St. Joseph's Hawks program really took him to top notch when nobody thought they would be there. So I'm, I'm as surprised as you that whether he doesn't want one but I highly think that's not it. I just feel like for some reason he's being overlooked, and I don't know why. Yeah, I, I have no idea why either. And the team that he is on, the Michigan Wolverines, well, I think we can now officially make them the third team in the NCAA uh, college basketball rankings. They are number three, but we've always said consensus. Baylor, Gonzaga, they were one and two. Michigan's the third team, uh, and they are probably right up there with Baylor and Michigan. This is impressive. Up 17 against ninth-ranked Iowa. Uh, so Phil Martelli and the Michigan Wolverines look like they're destined to do some pretty good things uh, in the NCAA tournament this year. We're talking with Tony Cotillo at TCotillo23. You can follow Heat Ratio Sports, where he does a lot of stuff there and plenty of shows for you to check out. At Heat Ratio Sports on Twitter. Now, I got to move over to a little bit of baseball because I saw a nice little tweet from me. And, Tony, we don't agree on a lot of things, which is always great, <laughs> which is awesome. I, I love that. We agree on this, though. Zach Eflin, he's he's borderline going to be really good this year. I love Zach Eflin this year. I re- And here's the funny thing. You know, it's when you don't look at a guy, because last year's season was just horrific, right? It, the, the whole thing with COVID and the missed games, the short, it was so hard to even pay attention. So this will be actually real year. We, we don't know if we're going to get 162, but at least it's going to be better than last year. But when you start looking inside the stats and you look at what Zach Eflin did last year, and I, I said this before, over the last three years, his whip has dropped exceptionally over the last three seasons. I mean, he's in 1.27 whip territory, and that's very, very good. Seven Ks per nine. He was 4-2. and two. His ERA was 3.97. And let's be honest, a 3.97, John, nowadays, that's really good. So, you know, and he's going to be going up against a third starter on other teams, so you're going to need him to win. I can really see him getting 15 wins this year. I really can because 
He's a big guy. He's very powerful. And he really got command. And he, he put a splitter into his rotation last year, which is something he never had. And he commanded his pitch count on a daily basis. And I'll tell you what, 15 wins to me is definitely not out of the realm of possibility. It's not at all. I completely agree with that. I think he's been improving every year. Now, the last time he had a full season, he had arm fatigue, and that seems to be yep. uh, plague him a little bit. Uh, so hopefully, you know, he, he has the kind of mileage on his arm, not to say it's too much, but I think he is fully ready to go now for that full workload to be that number three starter that they've needed for a while now because that guy, Jake Arietta, yeah, he sucked. <laughs> So I think Zach Eflin is the one guy that can help out the starting rotation. And this team is pretty good. They were a top 10 lineup last season. When you look at pretty much every statistical category of hitting, uh, they were top 10. And I saw somebody compare their stats this or last season in 2022, the uh, 20, I think, seven or, or 2007 or 2018, whatever it was for the Phillies. And they compared to it. This is a really good lineup. But 80 yep. and a half is where they're at. MLB uh, for DraftKings win totals. Is 80.5 the right number? Are you going over there, under? How are you feeling about the Phillies this season, especially when you look at the, at that 80.5 win total number? Mm. So I would go over. I would. I mean, listen, they play in, quite frankly, probably the toughest division in baseball. I know you'll get a lot of arguments with that, but when you look at the pitching perspective, and yet you have to have a big three. If you don't have a big three, you're not going to win in the major leagues. You're just not. I mean, look what San Diego went out and did. I mean, they, they have acquired two former Cy Young winners. In oh, one they, they may game, have a big right? four and five in that, that team it, now. Exactly, exactly. So the biggest thing about the lineup for the Phillies is just going to be two things. Number one, can the center field spot be, be filled up? Is, is, is Scott Kingery finally going to take off? But I think the wild card is Alec Bone for this team. And here's another guy I've been talking up because he's worked like hell in the offseason. He's gotten his glove back down. They said that was the biggest knock on him was the shaky glove, and he's been working on that. Bad 338, had 10 multi-hit games last year, uh, something that they need, especially the hot corner. So if you could put Alec Bohm in that lineup to be deadly like he was, and I just mean from hitting all over the field, you're talking 7 deep. Seven deep on our lineup, John. That's pretty impressive. Uh, you know, so if you go seven deep and some of these young guys in the, in the bullpen step up, some of the cast-offs that you, re- that you signed to minor league deals actually flip a switch, and Zach Eflin can give you 15, and Zach Wheeler gives you 17, and Nolan gives you 19, you're right in the mix, and I think you're every bit of an 85-90 to 90 win team. I absolutely agree. And look, it's a tough division. Bryce Harper pointed that out. But I think the yep. Phillies are, are competitive enough now that they, they'll they be in that conversation. At least for a wild card, I know. Maybe not the division, uh, because I really do like the Braves still. But yeah. they will be in that wild card conversation. They will be around 80 wins, and I think they do end up getting over that. Uh, but, Tony, I don't know why this took so long, because this was a lot of fun. <laughs> And we're going to do this weekly, I promise. I'm going to have you on every single week uh, because this this was great. Uh, at, follow him at Ticatillo23, at Heat Ratio Sports, where you can check out the Heat Ratio Sports Network. Uh, Tony, thanks for joining me tonight. As always, John, a pleasure, brother. Talk to you next week. That is Tony Jigsaw Cotillo.